Good morning. Good morning on Zoom. Good morning here in person. Welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Ryan Schreckengast, and I am one of the preachers here at GFC. And this morning, we have the privilege of reading about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this, I hope, is going to be such a joyful uh, time for all of us this morning as we recognize what it is that God has actually done for us. Um, and something I was thinking about as I was preparing uh, for this morning is how, often how long it takes us um, to to prepare for these sorts of changes that happen. Um, and I don't think that our culture does an especially good job of marking these kinds of things, rites of passage or um, moments in our in our experience where everything shifts. It was true one moment and then something else is true the second moment. And there, but there are a few of those things, I think, in our culture. Uh, maybe some particularly important birthdays uh, for the young people, maybe looking forward to 16, right? That's a big one. Uh, or maybe 21 or 40. Yes, 40. More than 40. <laughs> okay. Um, these, there are some of those things. Maybe there's a graduation uh, for the, the college students among us here that before that moment, your entire job is to learn and to assimilate. And then somehow magically after that graduation, you're expected to start contributing. Um, maybe it's a wedding before which you were an I and then after which you have become a we. Maybe it's the moment that you became a parent before which you were responsible only for yourself and after which you have this new life that is completely dependent on you. I'm sure there are more of these such uh, moments where everything changes, but these are the ones that I'm familiar with. Uh, and so for me, I don't know about those of you who have experienced these things, but but many of these for me the overwhelming sort of emotion uh, that has has accompanied all of these big moments is basically just exhaustion, <laughs> right? I mean, think about this. The first day of work, the morning after your wedding, the, the first hours after you have become a father. It's just very tiring. And it takes a lot of time to come to grips with how radically things have changed within such a brief period of time. And this morning, we're going to read Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, which is Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a singular moment in the, the span of human history where not just the course of a single life has changed, but the course of Every life has changed at that moment of Jesus' resurrection. Every person who ever lived before that moment, their lives need to be reinterpreted. reinterpreted. And every person who lives after that moment, our lives need to be reinterpreted in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This moment is the climax of God's entire plan and it issues in a new reality of life where death has been overthrown and been replaced by life. Where defeat and humiliation become the tools that God uses for his victory. 
and where the weak and the lowly have become the messengers of that victory to the world. But like all of the lesser changes that I mentioned this morning, we experience these, these lesser changes. This monumental change that God has worked in this moment takes time to come to grips with for his disciples and for those who are most intimately familiar with God's plan. They have to grapple with this brand new reality. And so this morning, as we read about this moment, I hope that you are encouraged to take the time this morning and throughout the weeks and months and even years to come to consider what the resurrection of Jesus Christ really means. Consider what this resurrection means for you, for your life, for your hope, and for your calling in life every moment going forward. So let's start by reading Luke 24, verses 1 through 7, and we will see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the completion of God's saving work for humanity. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. In these sim seemingly simple verses, Luke shows that the saving work of God has been utterly completed by Jesus. And in so doing, nothing will ever be the same again. First, I want us to try to put ourselves in the mindset of the followers of Jesus at that moment in time. We, we, to do that, we need to go back just a few verses. We read in the previous chapter about the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus, which we learned in reality was a great moment of victory. That Jesus took on the judgment of God onto himself. But we learned also in verse 49 of chapter 23 that all of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee, those are the women we're talking about here this morning, stood at a distance watching. And this must have felt like a nightmare to them. Maybe something that was happening to somebody else. In only a few hours, everything that these women thought that they could count on was suddenly thrown upside down. And in verses 55 and 56 of that chapter, those same women come to prepare, they come prepared to care for Jesus' body. But they cannot 
even tend to his body in its horrible state because that would violate the Sabbath. And so they have to wait. They have to be inactive after this moment of trauma. They have to sit there and do seemingly nothing. If you've ever lost someone that you love, you've likely felt that surreal feeling that what that you know is true about them simply doesn't match what you feel. You know in your head that they're gone, but your heart has not accepted it. And it can take a very great deal of time to reconcile that new reality. So how utterly confused these women must have felt even as they faithfully observe the Sabbath and that they glorify God praying in the midst of their confusion. If Jesus was the Messiah, if he was truly the Christ that God had promised, then what just happened? This is the state that they are in. But now we pick up in, verse, or in chapter 24, verse 1, and the sun is rising, and it is early dawn, and these women can finally go and care for the body of their Lord properly. I imagine that for them it must have been a sleepless night. But when they arrive at the tomb, it's open, and they do not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it says in chapter 4 that they are perplexed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that has to be the mildest emotion that they're feeling at that moment. They are perplexed. Have you had a few of those days where literally everything seems to be going counter to the plan that you had so carefully laid out? Everything is going wrong, and you're left just saying, what? What now? How can it possible be possible to add one more thing? His body is gone. What else could go wrong? But my friends... Given enough time, we realize that it isn't wrong. This is not something wrong. There is nothing more right that could exist in the world than in that moment when the tomb is open. Overnight, the world for these women and everyone else here and around the world has completely changed. It's not the same as it used to be. And these women who have been faithfully following Jesus since Galilee are going to be the first ones to hear about it. The first to hear from the lips of angels that the reality of death itself is subject to a new king. In verse 5, these angelic messengers ask this question, why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here, but he has risen. You assume that the reality that you witnessed this, this crucifixion of Jesus means for you loss and sorrow. You saw Jesus tried and abused and murdered and buried. And you think that that means that he is dead. But my friends, that 
was the old reality. In God's reality, because Jesus was faithful and allowed himself to be tried and abused and murdered and buried, because of those things, he is not dead, but he is alive. And faithful women, it is not just him. In the last three days, Yahweh, God Almighty, has been working with his son, the living one. And we have completed the work of salvation that was promised from the beginning of time. That is what God and his son have accomplished. Death is no longer the ultimate reality. Not for him, not for you. And in a beautiful mirror of this moment uh, of Jesus' resurrection, mirroring his birth, it's announced by these angelic messengers. And they come to the, to the women to remind them, or they, sorry, they come to the women and they remind them of what Jesus himself already told them. In verse 7, they remind him that Jesus said that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. This quote of Jesus is found earlier in Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 22. And I want to read that for you now because this demonstrates, I think, that it demonstrates for us just how fundamentally everything has changed with Jesus' resurrection. Read these verses with me, please. This is Luke 9, verses 18 through 22. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Do you see the shift here from what Jesus made his disciples promise just a few chapters earlier? with what is going to happen now following his resurrection. Jesus did, why did Jesus admonish Peter not to tell anyone who he was? Peter had it right, but Jesus said, don't tell anyone. Why? Because God's plan of salvation in that moment wasn't yet complete. The time hadn't come for his full and final victory. The son of man which is the title given to Jesus to represent his full humanity, had not yet paid the price of sin. Before that happened, God's plan of salvation was incomplete. And so, in obedience to the will and the word of God, Jesus could not yet be made known to the world that he was going to save. But now, my friends, now, following the resurrection of Jesus, 
the Son of Man has paid in full. And not just paid, but conquered death. Jesus has proven to be the Son of Man and the Christ of God in that one beautiful moment of his resurrection. He has revealed himself to be not John the Baptist, not Elijah, or simply some other prophet, but as the Messiah, the Christ of God. He has fully won the victory, and he has changed the reality of the world by bringing the kingdom of God In chapter 9 of Luke, it was not yet time to reveal his identity. But now that his saving work is completed, now it is the time to proclaim the Lord Jesus, the Son of Man, the Christ, to proclaim that he is alive. And that is just what we are going to see is going to happen in the next verses. That these faithful women begin to go and make this proclamation. Read with me verses 8 through 12 and see how the completed work of salvation gives the followers of Jesus a new life and a new purpose. And that is to proclaim Jesus as the Christ of God, the living one. Verses 8 through 12. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now, friends, in these verses, the followers of Jesus begin their new work of sharing the news of the Lord Jesus, the Christ, the living one. Remember that just a few hours before, the women that are outlined in verse 8 were going to the tomb of Jesus to prepare his body as best as they could for its, for, for its burial. Their sad mission was to care for him in the only way that was available to them. But now, having remembered the words of Jesus Christ that he would be crucified, buried, and rise again, now these women have a brand new mission. They have the mission. What would become the work of all Jesus' followers begins with these few faithful, humble women. I think that this is a beautiful picture of the new reality that Jesus has accomplished through his resurrection. Where before, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and these other women were only fit to administer to the dead body of their friend. Now, because of the resurrection of Jesus, 
their work has been transformed into the vanguard of the army of God. What a perfect start to the spread of the message of this new reality by the most humble, the most overlooked, and the lowliest of messengers. Because of Jesus' resurrection, the last have become first, just like Jesus. So in verse 9 and 10, these women come before the apostles and of all of the disciples of Jesus, and they proclaim boldly the fact of Jesus' resurrection. The empty tomb, the stone, the angels, they tell all of this. But their message is discounted as an idle tale. We know that the disciples had heard this same promise of Jesus from Luke 9. Because it says there specifically that they were with him when he shared this. But even they don't believe at first. And friends, it would be easy to condemn the disciples for this. But I think that that would not be fair. Again, like our own transformative events, it takes time to believe that the things that have been truth for so long have changed. The new reality has taken place, but it is not yet accepted. And as much as our small events mirror this, there has never been any event in human history before or after this that has so completely transformed our reality. And the women that are sharing the news are proof of that transformation. They are the first step that things are different now that Jesus has raised. They are not the same as they once were. And so it's perfect that Peter is the first one to rush to the tomb in verse 12. To consider with his own eyes the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Peter, who was the first to declare that Jesus was the Christ of God in chapter 9, who was so anxious to share that with the world. Peter, who was the first to attack in the garden those who came to betray Jesus on that night that he was betrayed. Peter, who was the first one to deny Jesus and yet was promised by him that he would turn again. And when he did, he would strengthen his brothers. This is the man, Peter, the first one to act, to consider these words of the women that were sent by God as messengers of his resurrection. So he went and he saw these things for himself, and he went home marveling at all that had happened. He's beginning in his mind to reinterpret all of the things that Jesus has been revealing to him throughout his entire life. All of the things that he had witnessed are being weighed and evaluated in light of this new reality where Jesus Christ has raised from the dead. Maybe, maybe the Lord Jesus who he was ready to die for, in fact, died for him. Maybe the Son of Man, 
earned victory over death by dying himself in place of the guilty. Maybe the Christ of God, the Messiah, and the Savior had actually become a humble servant, obedient to his Father's will, even to the point of death on the cross. And maybe if that is true, maybe God the Father has given into his hands the inheritance of nations. And what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? Maybe that means that our mission has been transformed like that of the women who went to tend his dead body and found him instead risen. Maybe now is the time to proclaim the truth of Christ, the alive, risen one to the world. To proclaim him with all of our passion and all of our resources and all of the things that God has been building into us through our entire lives, maybe now, because of his resurrection, is the time that we can proclaim that. Friends, Peter is finally becoming the fisher of men that Jesus promised that he would be. So how do we apply this? First, we must consider how the resurrection of Jesus transforms the reality of our lives. It changes everything. Everything. It's not enough to just stop at his death. Because death is no longer the ultimate reality. His resurrection is the victory that he has won through obedience to the Father's will. And that reality, friends, can be our new reality. And so through that victory, I want each of us this morning to marvel, to marvel at what that means has happened in your life. Be astounded by what his resurrection means for your sorrow. That the God of the universe will one day wipe away every tear. Friends, hope in what his resurrection means for those that you have lost. That in him, their resurrection can also be assured. Friends, submit to the change that his resurrection works in your marriage. That you are now a part of a picture, a symbol of the unity that God shares with you. His beloved son, his beloved daughter. And friends, rest in the joy that his resurrection means as God shares with you these joys. Not as something that you have to earn, but as an expression of his overwhelming love for you, his son or his daughter. 
And so finally, friends, once we have meditated on this and allowed this reality of Jesus' resurrection to permeate every aspect of our life, then it is our joy to do as the women from Galilee did, to proclaim him to the entire world as the Christ of God, the living one. This must become our mission. This must become the work of our entire lives. Because of his death and resurrection, we are freed not from the work of our own salvation, which, by the way, would have been impossible. That work was finished completely by Jesus Christ on the cross. But because of his resurrection, our new work becomes proclaiming him and that work that he completed to the ends of the earth. We get to join with the saints that have gone before us in proclaiming Jesus' victory. Friends, he is the living one. He is the Christ of God, the Messiah, the Lamb sacrificed for the salvation of the world, the Son of God. And we can proclaim that message boldly, not out of our own strength, but because of the opposite, because he has flipped everything upside down. Not because we are strong, but because we are weak. Like the women who were first entrusted with this good news, we recognize our own humility and we speak not from our own good character, but from the eternal mercy of God our Father. Friends, the new reality of God's kingdom takes us who were his enemies and it transforms us into his sons and daughters. And so we marvel and we are perplexed and we are encouraged and we proclaim his completed work because now is the time to do this. Now is the time to reveal him to the world. Because he has paid the price and he has won the victory that offers life to every soul. And you here this morning, in this place and on Zoom, you are the daughter that he has formed perfectly. The son that he has prepared completely to carry out that message. Let's pray together. Father God, this morning, we thank you for your completed work. We thank you, God, for your son who died in our place, taking on the judgment that is rightfully ours. And we thank you that he did not just die, but he rose again. That he rose again, victory over death, to give us the new reality of life. So Lord, may we recognize as we think this morning and in this week 
and in these months and years and for our whole lives, God, as we think about what your resurrection means for us. God, that we would be constantly amazed at you. And that because of that, Lord, we would live every day in that new life that you have bought for us, Lord. Thank you, God, for your amazing work. Amen.